This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to Wharton Moneyball on this Wednesday morning here at the campus of the University of Pennsylvania, where we discuss for two hours all things sports and all things analytics, statistics. Um, We are in the studio. I'm in the studio this morning. I'm Professor Adi Weiner of the University of Pennsylvania. I'm also joined in the studio with my very dear friend, colleague, former student, former graduate from the Wharton School and the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Blake McShane. Blake is currently a professor at Northwestern University in the business school. He's a professor of marketing, and we've been enjoying talking a little bit about the reproducibility crisis in social science and how that applies more broadly. And basically, the takeaway point is when someone says, studies say, your natural response should be skeptical because studies often don't say and aren't necessarily true and they don't necessarily apply to where you you believe it should apply. But we're going to now turn our attention to uh, World Cup soccer. And I uh, was uh, uh, our next guest is someone who I was able to um, learn about because my son uh, went to Northwestern and I am a a, um, recipient of its uh, emails. And I saw recently they sent out a a large uh, promotion of some work done by Luis Amaral, who is an engineering professor at Northwestern, and he's been studying complex systems for a very long time and structural networks in areas ranging from healthcare and biology to gender discrimination and gun violence. So that seems to intersect both engineering and social science. And his diverse research has read him, led him recently to study soccer, and that's where I encountered it, and I think it's apropos that we interview uh, Luis uh, on our show this morning. So, Luis, welcome to um, Wharton Moneyball. Oh, thank you. It's, it's really a pleasure for me to be here with you. Yes, and it's great to have you, and, uh, and it's a complete coincidence that I have Blake here, so we are actually mm-hmm. surrounded by two uh, um, Northwestern professors. I want to introduce you to Blake here. You are at the same campus, I suppose. Is that correct? In Probably. Evanston? Yeah, we probably are. We're probably a couple of hundred yards away from one another, but somehow closer than we've ever been. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, so Luis, um, let, just I just want to ask you a few questions about your academic background and how you how you got to Northwestern. So, what's uh, what's the path? Um, so, by training, I'm a physicist. Uh, so, I got a PhD in statistical physics, and uh, I've actually studied. Um, applied physics methods to a, a number of problems, as you described. Um, and uh, for a while, I was also at an appointment with Harvard Medical School, where I was collaborating with uh, cardiologists on analysis of physiologic signals, in particular heart rate, to try to diagnose uh, heart disease. Um, I arrived at Northwestern in 2002 and um, um, have been working on a number of problems that that you also cited in the beginning. So you um, began and, working in physical sciences mostly? Yeah. And you still probably do, the, the, the large part of your research is still in engineering and physical science, or are you really uh, sliding over to social sciences? Uh, it's, right now it's about 50-50 biological research and social research. Okay, so here's the, here's the rub. How did you get into soccer analysis? Are you a, a long-time uh, soccer aficionado? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm Portuguese, so and I've watched soccer since I was 
very little uh, and um, am fascinated by it. And um, so really enjoy watching the game, understanding what's going on. So this was kind of a, a natural um, problem to, to, to kind of tackle. To slide into now, so you have to excuse us because as Americans, you must find it very frustrating because uh, um, here we are in America, we barely pay any attention to soccer. We have no stars. You are in Port, you're from Portugal, so you have Ronaldo, who who is uh, one of the the three best players in the world. I think that was one of the results of your analysis. We'll get back to that. And you watch the game in a, in a way that, that that I'm simply incapable of. So before we get into your actual research, I want you to did you see the goal scored by uh, Messi against Nigeria? Yes. All right. So now uh, I'm going to try to describe it, and then you're going to try to tell me what actually happened, and maybe our listeners who are American <laughs> can get some some value out of this. It appeared to me this is I'm going to sound stupid, but I don't I don't don't mind sounding stupid. It appeared to me that there that there was just back and forth, back and forth. The next thing I know, there was a pass made and a goal scored. And I couldn't figure out why people thought this was the greatest play ever. I didn't understand it. I didn't see it. I, I mean, I saw it. I watched it several times. But it just seemed to be a pass and a score. So can, maybe you can dissect that a little bit and tell me why, what I'm missing and maybe how analytics can extract that value. Uh, okay, so what you are missing. Um, at, at this level uh, of soccer, it's... Um, it requires someone to make a mistake or someone to do something brilliant uh, for a goal to be scored. And well, so, so it, it's kind of you are you are looking for someone making a stupid mistake, and that may be because the players cannot keep their focus for long enough, or someone making doing something extraordinary. Uh, in the case of Messi's goal, there were two extraordinary things. The first one was the pass, which was really really beautiful um, and kind of into the run um, you, you have to think about it as a, a football um, throw but in this case it was not done with your hands it was done with your foot um, and then the other thing is that the control by Messi which in, unlike a receiver that can use his hands uh, Messi can't and so he has this ball coming from a long distance going at a pretty high speed and he's able to control the ball with two touches, the first one with his knee, the second one with his foot and kind of lead the ball to a position where he actually could shoot it with his other foot. And, and the skill involved in doing that um, is just extraordinary because he's running full speed. And so and, and the thing to imagine is that he's not using his hands. He's using his leg. Right. So I see. So if you don't really play it or watch it for an enormous amount of time, you don't appreciate what's actually happening. I'm probably looking at it from the point of view of an American football fan. So to me, it's just like a nice pass by a quarterback. He catches it, throws it in. That's how it works. But what you're pointing out is, is the remarkable athleticism and skill needed to control that pass made from about 40 yards using just your feet and your knees and then controlling it and then scoring. So that's one piece of it. Now, here's the thing that, that I want to bring it back to analytics. How many times um, does that pass get made and it doesn't succeed and we don't notice? I mean, so what's the denominator? If you want to point out, is it is it just doing it ever the big deal or is it 
trying to do are good players great because they do this ever or they because they do it more frequently or how do you measure how do you now say that Messi is remarkable because he does this once or do, are you able to collect data that that proves that he's particularly great and, and in your work you've you've done that so how do you translate this from a one-off event that looks beautiful and they do call it the beautiful game um, and it looks great but how does it become something analytic so the, the idea and, and one of the tough things with soccer um, about trying to create analytics and, and I will contrast it with baseball in baseball you have kind of repeated situations right so you have one guy on on first and uh, no out you know zero zero in the count so this thing occurs numerous times in a match and over a season so you you can actually and these are pretty much identical situations, right? Absolutely. Baseball is, is where I've cracked my teeth as a... Finite, discrete game. That's right. So neither yeah. Blake nor I, uh, our research as it was, you know, eventually was uh, in sports, but we were able to apply what we knew very handily to baseball analysis because exactly. it is independent trials. Not exactly, but but mostly. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, yeah. And, and, it's, and there is a discrete, very countable set of situations, right, in which the, the event is taking place. Right. In, in soccer, it's things are fluid. So the positions of the players and where the ball is, is is very, very different. And it can change everything. And the other thing that makes it really hard, uh, and like, for instance, basketball, is that the scoring is very low. So you, you are dealing with uh, low numbers, right? You are dealing yes. with countable things that occur in a, in a very small number. So fluctuations are very very high and and so so one of the advantages is that you know in in basketball people make 20 30 uh shots uh, the star in in soccer maybe the the best player makes five shots right and 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 you know maybe one of them is a goal and and that is so so it's hard to to do the the statistics in here, and so what and what we are trying to do is to are trying to figure out oh how frequently in our analysis is a team able to actually create a situation in which a shot occurs, and and so this is this is what what we were focusing on, and the idea is that the more opportunities of shooting you have, the more goals you are likely to score. Okay, so so what? let me just uh, give our listeners a little bit of background. So what you created is something called the Average Footballer Rating, which you used um, your knowledge of, of network complexity to create an algorithm which kind of attempts to at least objectively rate or rank professional football players into this AFR number. So mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that and how you overcome what I consider to be the greatest challenge of soccer analytics, which is the fact that nothing is the same. There's no independent trial going on. You can't isolate the, the, the value of a single player because their, their value is so connected. Just a lack of comparability. Yeah. How do you compare? I mean, how do you, you know what Messi did in that, in that one play and how do you, you, you disentangle or deconvolve his component from the, the player who passed to him to the defenders who created the opportunities? I mean, it just it seems to be such an intricate and complex game. Um, yeah. So it's fun to watch, but very hard to analyze. So how did you, you go about this and create this AFR measure? So one of the things that we did is we ignored 
<laughs> Excellent. That's, by the way, very good advice. I'm always giving that to yeah. my students. The first thing yeah. you need to do ignore. to actually do research is learn to ignore shit. Otherwise, you'll never get exactly. anything done. Exactly. <laughs> and then so, and so we ignore the fact that some players can do amazing things with the ball, right? Because otherwise, you just get into these things that are so rare that you cannot do any statistics on uh, because you have too few of them um, to, to ever be able to say anything. Right. We um, saw Ronaldo score this, this kick this ball in by spinning backwards and hitting a ball over his head. And I don't know Ronaldo, much about I soccer, but I watched yeah. that and I'm like, wow, I guess that's not in your model. No. And the basic idea that we have is that um, you can look at the, at the players as being, for instance, servers in the internet okay now the ball is like packets of information okay so you have this system of servers that kind of transfer the packet the ball from one another and then there is an a goal to this passing of the packet which is to send it to towards the goal right and so right. what we what we look at it is, is is if it was like a communication system, right? There are packets, and at each server or transmission, there is a chance that the packet is lost. Is lost. So so we are actually and always this each player has a, a rate at which they pass to other players, right? So that they choose to send the packet to other servers, and they have a, a rate at which they lose the ball. They also have a rate at which they can shot on goal. And so you could look at how the servers in this little internet are, are organized and ask, is this a system in which the packets get transferred and preserved until they are shot on goal? Uh, and so things like the technique or the ability to make a good pass are kind of aggregated into this much simpler number, which is how frequently do you lose the ball? So, so let's just let's break down what the raw data is. So one of the things that's difficult for looking at soccer is what's the database that you get to work with. So what is the underlying data? Is it event data, meaning... Um, it's event data, yeah. So you have it's a pass made... Touch. Yeah. Whenever someone touches the ball, something gets recorded. So was this a pass to a teammate who, who made the pass, who received the pass? Um, was there uh, an interception by an opposing team player? Um, was there a clearance? Um, did an opposing team player win the ball? Um, was there a shot? Um, so, so those are the kinds of events. And, and so you can get statistics for each player about whom they, who they passed to and, and also how frequently those passes were successful. So, Lewis, before, so, we, before we continue, let me, I would like to remind our audience that we're listening to Wharton Moneyball here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio. I'm Professor Adi Weiner of the Wharton School of Business and Department of Statistics, and I'm joined here in the studio with Blakely McShane from Northwestern, and we're talking with Luis Amaral of Northwestern University about soccer analytics, and I'm going to allow him to return to his, his uh, analysis, which was essentially talking about the data, the underlying data that he uses to create a, a soccer evaluation tool and and so the way in which this captures that a player is good is a good player will make passes to other players that will make good passes right so imagine that you have um, a bunch of good players in a team and one player that is very bad 
you know, passing the ball to that player that is very bad is not a smart thing because the ball is going to get lost. Right. Um, and also, you are more able to be successful in passing to a player that is able to control the ball very well. And so there are things like how the players are moving in space that will make it easier for them to receive the ball or to control the ball um, that get kind of captured in this um, passing accuracy rate um, that we don't need to worry about. And so in this situation, it becomes much more reproducible. And then the, other, the final ingredient on what we do um, to calculate the performance is that we do not say, oh, this player scored the goal. We say this player made a shot that was on goal. And so the idea is that, you know, scoring a goal is a stochastic event. Um, and so sometimes you have bad luck, sometimes you have good luck. So your so, model actually doesn't uh, overvalue or even value at all actual scoring? It just, uh, just, it just cares about shots? Shots on goal versus shots that are not on goal. Uh, and the idea is that people go kind of crazy know with small numbers it's it, it sort of the, your performance can go from appearing to be crap to appearing to be outstanding the next game and and you know it's it's kind of sometimes the luck gods are with you and sometimes they aren't and, oh. and so we try to we avoid being swayed by that uh, and and so our evaluations are much more kind of um regular than than it would be if you, if you were doing it this other way it, it's it's like Messi did not play poorly in their first game ah okay so that's interesting so in his first game where everyone said he played poorly you would say he did not because you didn't actually pay attention or overpay attention to scoring scoring just shots yeah cuz cuz it's you know sometimes things miss by you know by a few inches right it, it, it's like those things are are impossible to control and so i think a lot of these things are great for the media because they can write big stories about fluctuations right so they are trying to explain noise but in reality that is you know that that's just what's going on it's noisy on a stochastic process and things are actually the process itself is actually pretty regular okay so i want to we're coming to uh the end of our our time so in our in our our last minute or two i want to ask you some very specific things so what do you think about argentina's chances and portugal's chances in in the uh, world cup going forward um i i think they they have pretty much the same chances that when they started i mean they are looking um they are strong teams and you know these, these things of fluctuations um sometimes treat you in the in the 2010 um world cup spain lost the first match you know they should have looking at chances created they should have won four to zero they lost one zero and then they went and won every other game and world and won the the world cup uh-huh. So I think people pay much too much attention about kind of accidents, and so um, you know the the big strong teams seem all to be on their way to passing to the next round. So so who do you are, like? Who do you like as the favorite? Uh, you know I. I'm Portuguese, so I'm pulling for Portugal. But, but yeah, that's um, that's a hometown but, route. What's your actual? Germany and Belgium, I think, are looking very strong. Very strong. Mm-hmm. So I think, but I think the 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 betting odds has uh, has um, 
uh, Spain and uh, Brazil as the best best hope. So you're going. You you don't think so, or you you think they're just as you just you have your eye on on uh, Portugal and uh, and uh, Belgium uh, and and Germany. Oh, Germany, Germany. <laughs> yeah, because um, I I think that Germany uh, more than other teams has kind of a resilience right. uh, to them, kind of not letting. Um, the score being against them kind of bring them down. How they came back against um, uh, Nigeria was um, was really right. uh, remarkable. So, so they have these. Um, they're of course the former champion, Luis. Luis, I want to thank you very much for coming uh, to, and joining this morning us on the show. It's been it's been a, a really uh, informative. Actually, have a, a few nuggets of soccer knowledge. I'm going to take going forward. Um, this has been the first half of Wharton Moneyball. Why don't you come back and join us after the break? For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 